Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. All right. So we're talking about firsts. We're talking about the number one. I don't know if you remember the first time you hit a jump shot, Kevin, or the first time you you met met your wife or the first time you saw your first kid, but this is a first. This is episode number one on the the Growth League podcast. And uh, I am very honored to be joined by my friend, my mentor, sometimes my line mate in, in pickup basketball, although... It's a lot more fun playing against you because you get all rattled. So it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. This is Kevin Wilhelm. He is the co-founder and president of Pod Marketing. Pod Marketing is a cool concept. It is 2014 you started it and uh, originally started as a digital marketing agency, but since has evolved into a full-service marketing agency that, that is able to achieve niche vertical specificity in terms of solutions that work in that industry, uh, processes, systems, even team members in different expert uh, expertise areas that, that support them. You're, you're serving eye care, dental, home services, medical aesthetics, and uh, senior living. Senior living's new, isn't it? It Relatively is. Yeah, we new. started about a year ago. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Sir, thank you for being number one. I understand you're in the middle of an office move. What uh, what's going on at the at the office right now? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thank you for for having me, Caleb. It's uh, it's an honor to be here first. And uh, yeah, we things are busy. I would say I actually hosted a webinar during the shutdown, and I actually had a panel of my clients on that webinar sharing their experiences, and one of them asked the panel and they had asked everybody watching at home, what would you have done in your business six months before the shutdown if you knew this was coming? And his point was sort of, should we not be managing our businesses and making those hard decisions when times are great, not just when times are are horrible. So uh, that stuck with me. And I remember sort of making a promise to myself when I had heard that, that I needed to do a couple changes in the business just to make sure that I I lived up to that sort of promise uh, when he had said that. And so I came into the office. Um, we actually have done quite well post-opening. Um, we've recovered uh, through a lot of hard work uh, through my team. We were fortunate enough to bounce back. And uh, we made the decision to look at changing office spaces. And a lot of it came down to realizing the new world and where employees want to work from and what we need and what we don't need. And um, as our team grows, we are gonna be running out of space anyway. So we kind of had to reconfigure how we worked office and virtual anyway. And there's an opportunity within our current building to move offices uh, and you know save, some, save some, some rent and still have a pretty good cohesive footprint, which is what we were able to achieve. So we made the decision to actually downsize the office, even though our team is growing in size, uh, to be able to allow, uh, give permission to people to work from home and sort of put our money where our mouth was and saying that, yeah, we want you to work from home. If, if you hmm. feel more comfortable there, go for it. So uh, we're just happy to be in the middle of that move right now. How's that going in terms of people's um, 
level of, I guess, level of maturity around deciding what works for them? Come in a couple days a week, stay home a couple days a week, or, or is it just kind of, you know, whatever works for them type thing? Yeah, I think, I think we're still trying to find that. Uh, everybody is still trying to find that balance. And there are people that love to just wake up and not have to worry about getting ready and the, and the you know, commute in, uh, worrying about, you know, having a breakfast coffee out. Uh, so they prefer to work from home, but then, you know, it, the itch hit, hits and, and people choose typically choose companies because of the people they get to work with. We're fortunate to have an amazing culture. And so I feel like people can only be at home for so long before they get that itch and want to come in and be around their colleagues. So we see a healthy mix. We have some people that are primarily office-based, probably 25%. Uh, 25%, I would say, are I see very rarely, probably once a month they come in. And that majority, that 50%, um, are sort of split. Either 50-50 or two or three days a week, one way or the other. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a quick story on on what you're doing today, moving offices mm-hmm. and, and navigating uh, you know, work work home balance. But bring me back. Bring us back to the beginning, uh, 2014. Um, what's the origin story of, of Pod? I know I have very small uh, snippets of, of this story, but um, I'm excited to hear from you. Sure. So um, even before 2014, so in, in 2013, I was introduced to the owner of uh, a Calgary-based home services company called Action Furnace. And if you live in Calgary, you probably see the trucks and, and you see the bus benches and you hear them on the radio all the time. And at that time, he was, uh, the owner, his name is Bruce. He was dissatisfied with his current advertising, you know, a digital agency that he was, he was actually using somebody uh, offshore and in Australia. Um, but he just felt like there could be more. And so both my partner and I at the time, uh, his name is Kareem. We were introduced to Bruce. We met him and we just clicked right away. And we felt the same way about growth, about advertising, about how do you, you know, managing people, about uh, just overall marketing philosophies. And at the time, he still saw us as a risk. Most people do. To change marketing is, is a big change. And so he gave us a test. He said, hey, create a, create a, a competing company against me. Um, and he actually was willing to fulfill and have action furnace with another furnace company compete head to head. And he said, beat my current agency and and I'll give you the work. And, uh, I love creative problem solving. So, and I love a challenge. So I said, all right, we're in. So we got to name the company. We called it furnace doctor. We came with the logo, the website, the whole nine yards. And we went head to head against him. Um, it's funny, his salespeople would have both uniforms. They would drive both trucks. Uh, so he was selling the same product to the same people. Uh, but we, uh, we clicked very well. And after about six months of that, he had said, you know what? I think that we need to expand this and, and actually let's, let's build a home services agency. I know that if you spend a lot of your time working on my company, it's going to grow. And I'll get a few friends. You get a few friends and you and your friends will be able to help you know, me and my colleagues. So, um, that was the original idea of pod. And we knew that starting a company in order to avoid being commoditized and marketing is as commoditized as it gets. Um, you know, especially in the digital agency world without a track record of creative awards and what have you, uh, we knew we had to specialize in a city, uh, product being like the best website company or what have you, or an industry. And so I love that initial idea. We took that, we formulated a business plan that said we are going to build people and processes and a product around an industry 
and then we'll scale it sort of globally, uh, at least in the English speaking countries and attack the market that way. And so that's what we did. I, I ended up uh, at the time, this was sort of a side job for me. I quit my job. Uh, we started the company incorporated January 1st, 2014 action furnace was the only client we had. I was the only employee at the time I worked in their building and, uh, they were only client for a couple months. We really redid everything. We, I hired a few, uh, contractor friends at the time. Uh, we built a new website, a new content strategy, a new brand design, uh, new paid search campaign, everything. And the results worked. And, and that was, that was spe- specifically for action furnace that you were yeah. building. Like, bro, I've never heard of anything like that where a, a client is the beginning of the development and creation of an agency. Like that, that's a pretty forward thinking, uh, on both, you know, both parties. Yeah. Like I guess looking back, maybe it was risky to quit a job and start something <laughs> without knowing it was going to work. Uh, we just kind of figured we could, we could, we could make it work. Like right. it's, digital marketing really is a science there's an art to it, but there's also method. There's, there's a method to improve results and optimize. And so if the website's not working, we got to find out why, if the ads aren't working, we got to find out why. So we knew we could problem solve our way through it. Uh, so it took about two months. We saw, we saw pretty drastic results, uh, early on. We had a new website conversion rates went up, uh, traffic costs went down overall his cost per lead was cut in half of what he was, what he had before. And when we had that story, we were able to share that he was able to take me to a conference. Uh, we met up with some of his friends at the conference and, um, and, uh, they, they, they bought in, they bought into the belief, the idea the story, all of it. And so we were able to grow pretty quickly, um, because we approached it differently. Hmm. So obviously at some point during the journey, you had aspirations of, of, of growing bigger, uh, taking on new clients. And it sounds like he was pretty supportive of that. So the whole topic around the growth ramp podcast is to dig into scale, to dig into yeah. that moment of, of growth. Can you, can you remember back, uh, when that tipping point was, how can you describe that tipping point? Was it you know, did you get a, an office or did you get on a couple new clients and, and then had to pull in pl- new employees uh, onto the team? Describe that, that moment for me and how, how you defined it as, as growth. I think that first year was, and now looking back and talking to others that run companies and others that run agencies, uh, we achieved a lot in that first year. I didn't really have perspective of what we really achieved, um, but I remember specifically our first Christmas party. So starting January 1st, you know, we're holding Christmas party, you know, almost 12 months later. And I believe we had about, uh, eight or nine people on the team, full-time employees on the team and, um, kind of sitting around and looking at like, okay, we've already been able to employ eight or nine people. We had probably 12 to 14 clients, something like that. Um, it was diversified enough that I felt like, that was pretty good scale. We had done, um, we did about 700, 750,000 in revenue in the first 12 months. And I guess looking back, you know, to go from zero to that in 12 months was, um, was probably the first point of like recognizing we had hit some sort of scale. Uh, but not really when you're talking about only, you know, a handful of clients, uh, I would say, so we continued going uh, at that pace for the first four or five years. And a year and a half ago, we sort of sat back and said, is this the future of the company? And, and to, to rewind a little bit, our model is at that time, especially we did everything. 
for one retainer price. And so we didn't have a lower tier. It was, this was the number and we did everything from strategy, web design, ads, uh, SEO, content creation, you name it, anything as a client you dreamt, we did. And we sort of priced it at the same rate as an employee. And so we came up with a lot of problems with that over time is that clients wanted more and more and we couldn't find a way to charge them more because we had told them it was all included. And there were so many people that couldn't afford that number and we didn't work with them. So we, we saw limitations in the model. So a year and a half ago, we sat back and said, okay, if we're going to revamp the company to really hit scale and go after market share and be able to solve some of these problems, what does that look like? And so we actually completely revamped the company and we went to a tiered level, a product-based uh, company uh, where it's more of consultative selling. And we had people start in at a like a $500 a month program where we, they amortized the website over two years and then they kind of picked and choose what they want on top of that. And that's when scale happened for us. And we launched that July of 2019. And up until that point, we had grown to about 90 clients. From July to the end of December, we had doubled our number of doors. And so we actually had doubled the number, not our revenue, but we doubled the number of clients we were working with. Uh, Within six months, it took us six years. And that was because we had made a fundamental shift in how we did business. Mm. And that came with its own set of issues, right? Like, cause now we're, we sold essentially, uh, I think the number was 115, 118 websites between July 1st and December 31st of 2019. And as anyone who sits in the seats that we do fulfilling, uh, 115 yeah. websites in, you know, that are sold in six months is no easy task. We had sold, 35 or something like that the year prior, uh, the whole year prior. So our, we were used to fulfilling websites three a month. Now we had to go uh, substantially faster. So we had to change everything in the business. You talked about right before that moment of scale was kind of triggered by, um, it almost sounds like you were a little bit limited in terms of, of having a, a one, one option. You either could pay for it or you couldn't pay for it. It it either fit for the client or it didn't fit. So was the tipping point tethered specifically to that decision to, you know, come up with a couple different packages or, or what else influenced that, that meeting where you sat together and said, we, it's time to grow or, or how did you know it was time to grow? I don't think there's a pinpoint minute. Mm-hmm. I think that we as a leadership team had many conversations about what was uh, what was in our future, what was holding us back today. And what we kept hearing over and over again was, you know, client A would be a prospect. A would be amazing. They just can't afford They're brand new. They're a, they're a startup company. They can't afford our services, but man, would they be great. Yeah. And then we hand them off to someone else in hopes that we'll get them back down the road. Of course, that's not going to happen. They're building a relationship with someone else. Right. So we weren't working with a lot of people. And the other thing is when you're at it all or nothing, if clients decide to move on, they also went from here to, to zero. And they were saying, you know, I just, I can't afford this amount anymore. I don't need this anymore, mm-hmm. but you don't really have another option. So I have to go to another company that's only offering me paid search. So they're only offering me this. And so we just saw this, like how much just opportunity we were leaving on the table to service such a wide, like we were probably servicing 2% of the market, maybe right. less, right. you know, one out of two, one out of a hundred people were, were the right fit. And, um, while it helped us grow and achieve, you know, pretty quick growth, it was limiting us in terms of future potential. So hmm. I think having so many of those conversations over and over again and trying to problem solve and, 
you know, well, maybe it's a sales issue. We have to sell it better. Maybe it's a positioning like we have to. And so then we were sitting our annual strategic uh, planning session for the following year. And um, these ideas kept coming up. We go, you know what? I think we should seriously look at revamping the whole business model. Wow. So when, when you did that, what did the next six months feel like? What were some of the, the memorable changes that you saw on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, with your company, when you, when you said, this is the direction we're going, let's go after this scale. How did, how did life start to change a little bit for, for pod? Um, almost nothing was the same, to be honest. So, uh, we took, let's just start with our, our account managers. So we know we call them marketing directors. They're highly educated, highly experienced strategists that work and they represent our company with our clients. Um, they were paid salaries uh, right. up until then. And every time they earned a new client, what that meant was their life was harder. I have to do more work for the same pay. And so they were quick to say, I don't know if this is the client's the right fit. Right. Uh, I don't know. The problems are a little too big. Uh, and so they would first fight us to take on more work or they would tell us really fast why clients weren't the right fit. And we switched them to commission and um, we went to a percentage of revenue under management. And immediately it was like, well, so first of all, we take people that were not hired as salespeople and tell them now you're selling. Right. Well, did they have a base on that? Was it, was it base no. plus? No, yeah. Just no, go the for good it. thing is they had a portfolio already. Right. And so right. the promise I made to them was none of you are going to take a decrease and all of you have an opportunity to make a lot more. The only way to take a decrease from here is to lose a lot of clients. And so we kind of gave them that safety net. We also gave them a locked in period for three months to, or to like figure this out. So mm-hmm. they had a three month window of, of security and then they went live. So we told them like in April, we are going to go live in July. Right. Um, but then they, they immediately started selling and they started increasing. And every one of those people across the board, you know, as you can imagine, 120 websites we sold, everyone gets their fair share. They all had an increase in income. Uh, so that was a great shift in the business. Um, we also created a new department in a website fulfillment department, knowing we're going to sell a lot of websites. We didn't want our salespeople managing those projects. We wanted them out servicing clients and strategizing and being there. And so we put in a project management based website fulfillment team. So that was new for them because they had never done that position before. We took people from like almost every department and put them into this, into this, into this new role. So there was a lot to figure out there. Uh, we had to go from a, uh, we sell a client and we do everything. So everyone kind of knew the conveyor belt system. First it was web, then it was leads, then it was branding. And we went from a SKU based system where this client's program is totally different. So now we needed new software. We needed pricing for all of them. We had to figure out what does each one of these products cost? Well, how do we fulfill it? We need product champions for all of them. We need like, what, Caleb, when I say we changed every single yeah, thing in the business changed uh, drastically in six months because we came up with this and launched the idea that we were going to revamp the company at our, at our annual retreat in, in December before Christmas. And we told them July 1st is when it's live. And so we have six months to figure it out. I sort of set the goalposts. And so this is what I want to see, but the team figured it out. They, they, they came yeah. together like I've never seen and they identified the issues. They knew what was standing in the way. They started knocking away at all of these issues that were ahead of us. And our discussions became very meaningful and in terms of the how and um, not the what. The what we right. already knew. And then it came down to how are we going to how are we to Seems like this? the only way you could pull something like that off is a couple things. We're talking account executives, not project managers. 
right? Yeah. These are, you talked about highly educated, highly skilled, but also vision. Like you're, you're a visionary guy. Uh, I know that. How, how were you able to, so you guys went, went into a boardroom somewhere, you and your partner and, and, you know, leadership team and came up with this new vision. How'd you sell it? How'd you sell it when you came back? That's a pretty drastic change. Yeah, I think from listening to everybody at the table, I think we accomplished what everybody wanted. So um, our vice president of sales wanted to sell more. Hey, guess what? The shackles are off. Not only can you sell more, but you can retain more you can retain more um, revenue. So that was a check for him. I have a business partner on the eye care side and she's, she's just begging, please give me a lower price product. I want to grow. And there's so many people saying no to us. So that checked her box um, from an operation standpoint where the biggest weight lied in. Uh, I said, are you up for the challenge? And you know, I, I think we hire people that are uh, very dynamic and forward thinking and competitive. And so for him, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to take on that challenge. And, uh, from there, you know, the company helped shape the vision, to be honest, I think mm. to me, the vision was we need, this is where I want to go. I also wrapped it up in this nice word called membership. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know. I think it was, I was in, um, I think I was in the United States traveling and you could be like a rewards member to a hotel. And right. then you think about air Canada, you, you know, the, I watched somebody fight so hard to be able to go into the Air Canada Lounge, and I would just look at this like, and being a member means so much. They're willing to fly at worse times at higher prices just so they can sit in the lounge and collect points. There's got to be something to this membership thing. And so I said, you know, I, I know what I want. I, I know what I want it to look like. I know what I want to call it. I have no idea what that means. And that's what I rolled out. And so the vision was very cloudy. Right. And uh, our meetings were, let's throw ideas. What what could it mean to you? And right. I, I wanted it to feel inclusive and exclusive inclusive when you're in the membership and exclusive if you're not. And, um, that was really the only guidelines. And from there we just started brainstorming. So I think it was easy to achieve vision and buy-in because it was shaped by everybody involved. It wasn't, right. it wasn't simply me. Right. Well, I remember, I mean, you, you told me a story once about a, uh, like a telephone sales-a-thon where you guys all dressed up and you all got on the phones. It seems like it's a pretty collaborative, pretty, uh, people feel safe there. It sounds like. Yeah, that day they didn't. Um, <laughs> dial, I call it dialing for dollars. And it was one of those, you know, everybody wants to hunt for business. Nobody can find the time. So I said, let's make the time. One right. day, all in. Let's all do it. And to make it fun, we went and got prizes and junk food and alcohol and music. We did 80s theme. And and I joined and every, every executive had to join. And we all did teams and we had team contests. And, uh, you know, not only is there a prize for the person that got the most sales, but there's a prize for whoever got hung up on the most or had like the worst response. So you kind of win if you fail. And uh, we made a lot of fun out of it. Um, I think it stretched people out of their comfort zone. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm thankful that people are willing to try it. And I'm also thankful that they told me very quickly, uh, I hate this and I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> so we... It happened once, awesome. <laughs> so we, we move on. <laughs> you guys do a lot of uh, you guys a lot of focus on different verticals, and and like I mm -hmm. said before, different processes, solutions, even team members on a on a niche by niche basis. Why was that woven into the strategy? Was that part of the strategy from day one? Yeah, and, and, so, and what is the advantage there? So the vertical approach was always a strategy. We actually diverted away from that in the beginning. Uh, as a young business, you kind of go where the money is. And so we took on too many projects that weren't the vision, which is probably my, my regret. At the same time, it helped fund and bring a lot of, you know, really mm -hmm. great people into the organization. So, you know, you live, you learn. But um, the strategy of the vertical was 
and, and I'm sure you live this the same thing every day. It's we work with a client we've never worked with before in an industry we've never worked in. So <laughs> they have to spend their valuable time paying us to then educate us. And so right. our value is here right in the beginning. It's like a new employee, right? Yeah. The value is here. I'm training you. I'm teaching you about my business. What value are you providing? So now we're here. And now we're going to build a website. We're going to do these things or our values going to come back up. And are we going to get to value neutral and value positive fast enough where it meets the patient's threshold of these right. clients? And a lot of times they hire us because they need change now. They need change fast. They're, they're entrepreneurs. They, they don't want to spend six months, nine months, a year letting you figure this out. And so there's always another salesperson. There's always another agency that says, I can do that for you. I can, I can hit those results. Mm -hmm. And so when that client leaves, we have spent all of our time, even though we've been paid for it, we spent all this time and I can't reuse it. I, I don't have another one of these companies to, yeah. to go out and, and I know I have this one construction company based in, in high river that does so specifically built free prefabricated uh, farmhouses and things. It's like, I, I don't even know if there's another one like them. So everything I've learned in this, I can't reapply it. So, right. um, the strategy was let's create a program that we can reuse. If we're not working with you directly, we're working with someone like you and I can mm. apply those best practices to you. So always I'm working on improving your business. I can start to become efficient, meaning I can build, uh, the program fast. I can build it on budget. I can probably even build it below what other people would charge because they're not paying for their time to learn. We're already there. I can predict results. I already know how long it's going to take for, for us to be value positive. Um, we're coming to you with industry opportunities that you, you may not even be aware of because we're working with so many other people in your industry. And so we're able to bring all of that together in this one solution. And when you can achieve that, now our phone rings almost every day because people know us as the agency that deals in eye care for instance. Right. And so we get leads every day coming in from all over North America because people say, Oh, I've, I saw you speak at this conference and I saw you partnered with my buying group and I, five of my friends are using you. You start to build that critical mass right. uh, up in within industry. And then it, it helps from a, uh, a branding and lead generation perspective as well. That's awesome. I mean, that's a message for other agency owners out there, any other business owners, regardless of, of industry, when you focus on, your client's value and what creates the desired transformation from them for them and then reverse engineer your model behind that. You're going to be successful. Like the finite thinking is chase the money. The infinite mind is, is build value, man. And reverse engineer from that. You guys have been able to do that so well going. And I know, I know that you, you can't pinpoint a time and none of us can pinpoint a time on, you know, when, when scale tipped or, or when that happened, but if you could go back to Kevin in 2016, you got to tell Kevin a couple things. What, what are you, what are you, what are you talking to him about? Focus. That's the number one word. Um, and I probably in, in two years, I'll probably call myself back and tell me to focus again. Right. Um, it's always that how many, how many opportunities, how many strings to be pulled trying to create something when it was all right in front of us. Mm. And so every minute that I didn't spend building efficiencies and proficiencies in these verticals was a minute that we had our team chasing something else. And when I think back now to it, 
I know that we could have gone, we'd be further ahead if all we had done was focus in on these verticals. And, and you know, the argument could be made, why not just be in one then? If that's the case, why be in five? And, um, you know, so I, th- I think going back, I would have said, like, don't take one-off projects and things that you're just, you're not sure, but if you're not extremely confident that you can hit the mark, don't, don't take it on focus right. in on what you're doing um to answer my own point because i think people do wonder why am i in five then versus the one it really came down to diversification uh when you look at the eye care industry specifically that was one we got a lot of traction early on um the optometry world is being completely disrupted by online technologies and where our clients are independent optometrists and we're really helping putting together programs to help them compete and thrive uh, but we we found the ability to help dentists with the same strategies. And so we invested in hiring a new team, a new marketing team, a new sales strategy in terms of growing that side. Uh, home service is the same thing. We put certain people in that are experts, but what we're trying to do is make sure that we give enough resources and attention to still be focused in each one of these verticals. Uh, so we wanted just the right amount of diversification and then concentration. Right. So, um, you know, time will tell whether or not five is the right number. Maybe it's three, maybe it's eight. Um, right now we're in five and that's sort of the strategy moving forward. Hmm. So as you've, as you've grown, as, as pod has scaled and grown, how, how's Kevin grown? Like who was Kevin before the tipping point The in parentheses, who, who is he before the tipping point? Who is he after? How have you changed for better or worse? I, I mean, I only know you post scale and you're one yeah. of the good guys, so. Uh, you know, what's funny is I remember a story where my early on young, young, um, my mom sold my bed and I was getting a new bed. And I remember her telling me that I was distraught and I that was my bed. I hung on for dear life. And growing up, my mom had always told me, Kevin hates change, hates change. And it's kind of like resonated, stuck with me. And then I married my wife who is not happy over a weekend, unless something has changed in our house. Mm. And anyone that visits us, there's an ongoing joke that when you come in, walls will be different colors, furniture will be moved, changed. We have an ongoing transaction happening in our front doorway of uh, Kijiji out and furniture in, and I spend my weekends building and moving stuff around. So um, I think she helped prepare me and get me in the mindset of always developing uh, personally, uh, which I've been able to carry on to professionals. So, you know, I, I, I kind of fought early on the, the organic food. Channel. I looked at the price tag and I was like, come on. Um, she's really helped nurture this like open-mindedness of me and challenges me on it every day. And so that's, that's where my evolution for like the last, you know, I've been with her 17 years uh, has been. And then coming into a company, I think I took that open-mindedness and said, okay, hmm let's adapt let's be willing to change and move um and then surrounding yourself with people that force you to be better uh whether it's your teammates mentors clients uh, being open to hear from them about what they need from you and uh, then organizations and i'm part of eo and that has been wildly impactful on my life in terms of uh showing up and learning and you know, interesting enough, uh, you know, we have the EO program, we have an accelerator program, and I know you sat on the board of that, and um, we do learning days uh, for young budding entrepreneurs and, and trying to grow their businesses. And, and uh, recently, I actually, uh, I attend those learning days where I can. I went to one yesterday, learning all about accounting, cash flow, finance, and what have you, because 
at the end of the day, I'm, I want to learn, uh, but not only from the facilitation, but the people around us. And we're having open discussions about how you're running your cash flow statements and how you're budgeting and forecasting and just absorbing all of that with an open mind, taking it and then bringing it back to the team and saying, what if, could we, hmm. uh, there's a, there's a meme. There's, there's a meme though. I will say in our, on Slack, uh, the home alone mom that just goes like, Kevin. Yeah. and every time I go, what if they just, it's a team wide news Wow. Um, like uh, me, but it's, it's, you know, I think it's fun. That's huge. Yeah, laugh here, so. I think, I think yeah. most of our uh, positive evolution has something to do with our, with our wives or significant others. So that's, uh, that's good. Entrepreneurs always want growth, right? That's kind of the dream. It's always the goal, but you know, it doesn't just happen, right? It doesn't just happen out of nowhere. What, what do you think are the necessary things that need to be in place, the key ingredients that need to be in the mixing bowl before you have a chance at growth, regardless of industry, whether you're an agency mm-hmm. or, or, or otherwise, what are some of the ones that, uh, that stand out to you? Yeah, I'll just, um, I'll use my experience. So yeah. I, I believe a team is number one, uh, business is a team sport. So go out and get the best players you can. You want to win the championship, you need, you need talent. And just more of a, a philosophy on this is a mix between the veterans and the rookies, the ones that are aspiring and pushing up and the veterans to help teach. I think you need that healthy mix. When you look at great sports franchises, you sort of have that mix. So a great team that is, that is willing to check you, put you in place and then being able to have those open conversations. So to me, there's that uh, two is a desire, a willingness from everybody on that team to achieve something great. Hmm. And so uh, we look at hiring dynamic uh, people that that thrive and change. And if you don't have that, if you want comfort and stability every day of what you're doing, then we just aren't the best fit. So choosing that team, I think, is important. And then, um, you know, having a clear-cut vision and writing it on paper and sharing it and then holding yourself accountable and having the team hold you accountable. In our staff meetings, which we do every month, sort of a, a virtual town hall we put up our objectives every month and we show, where are we? And we ask, we ask everybody to give us a report card. Where are we? Where are we at? Where are we trending? We share our numbers. We have transparency in terms of revenue, clients in, clients out. Uh, we share the cost of goods in our business. We share all those things so that the, the, we're all bought in together and moving mm-hmm. forward. And I think to me, that's, that's really, um, those are the ingredients that have, that have helped us. Hmm. What's next for you guys? What's the next? I know you, you're not going to, you're not going to stop. What's, what's the next mountain? What's the, what's on the vision yeah. board as much as you can uh, share. I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm open book. Um, we, I've been wanting to look at the acquisition strategy for a long time in terms of acquiring other companies growth through acquisition, not just organic. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, who I mentioned earlier at the, at the top of this, uh, the owner of action furnace had always questioned me, like, are you ready? Like you have to make sure that one plus one equals three. Uh, because together you need to be better than, you know, independently. So, you know, he always questioned, are your processes in place? Are they solid? Is your team solid? Is your culture solid? Are these things solid? Because acquiring to acquire, if it doesn't work, can, can end the company. It ends right. everything. It ends the culture. Right. It ends the... So uh, for us, an acquisition strategy is what we have sort of prepared for. We wanted to be able to see if we could scale fast ourselves. We wanted to see if we could uh, fulfill maintain a great client experience. And now we have the belief that we can uh, start looking at missing pieces 
whether it's new products, new verticals, and maybe new geographies, and start acquiring strategically and seeing if one plus one equals three and trying to leverage um, you know, two companies together and saying, how do we make more of this? So uh, that is really what I'm focusing on right now is looking at opportunities where we can, we can grow through mergers and acquisitions. And um, I'm ready to take that challenge on. That's amazing. Man, it's only fitting to have you as number one. Every time I talk to you, it's, uh, it's like, you know, on one hand, it feels good because you're catching up with a buddy. On, on the other hand, it's, it's almost like I wish I had a notepad, right? It's, uh, I try to be a sponge every time I'm around you. And I think that that's, that's what we need to do as business owners, right? We need to understand that this is, uh, this is a one plus one equals three game. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Kevin, we, we do the same thing. We, we literally, we're a digital marketing agency, but we, we learn from each other. We grow with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciate uh, this tremendously. And, and before I let you go, this is how I want to end all of our episodes. And, and I believe that businesses that grow, that scale, that are ready to grow, and they actually achieve it and realize that they have leaders that are strong. And I believe strong leaders have strong daily routines. And so we're going to talk about the, the concept and the topic of of routines. What, what's yours? Bring us into a, a day in the life of how it starts with Kevin. Sure. So, um, this has been a lot more honed in, to be honest, since the shutdown, I, mm-hmm. I kind of went to, to keep my sanity. I, I really nurtured the routine. I valued it. It became more sacred. Um, I wake up the same time every day. We are, uh, kind of a 6am wake up. I, um, cause you got kind kids. of get rid- I, I, I got to get them out. I got to beat them out of the house before they That's wake right. up or it's a game. I'm, over. I'm on that. My wife, you should see her. Sorry. I'll let you get back to it. But my wife, love her. I mean, she's given me the, the greatest gift of, of all time, but she tiptoes out of the house before Naya gets up and she's almost like she's got a coffee in her hand. She's out and she just gives me one of these little, like before she leaves, because now it's me and I got to deal with this amazing little human but anyways so it's flip it's flip for us yeah so i'm like your wife i gotta tip to it but i get up i get ready um one thing i've really leaned into is meditation and Mm. i do a 10 minute 10 minute meditation i've done it every day since march 1st um and that sort of it's that one percent of your day sets Mm. up the rest the 99 percent and i I believe in that and then i go to the gym um majority of the days where i don't have an early early meeting and i'm in the office by eight and i have basically people meetings. Um, mostly my job is managing uh, teams and, and people and ideas. So I'm in meetings from basically eight to six. Um, I try not to leave the office ever without having my inbox clear and clean so that when I get home, I can be 100% present. I don't think it makes sense to show up home early if you're not right. present. Right. And so I show up, you know, basically at six o'clock, I, we have dinner. I then spend time with the kids uh, until they're eight o'clock bedtime really it's like 11 but eight o'clock is when they have to start winding down um and once they're sort of in bed 8 9 o'clock then it's time with my wife and we get our you know hour to two and if i have work that is still pressing it happens at the end of the day after 11 so uh, i'm motivated to make sure that i get everything done in that time so that i can have that time with them and that balance has worked really well for me mm. Told me you guys are uh, you guys are into the vino. You're on the vino train right now with your wife. How's that going? It's great. I uh, was lucky enough to go to Kelowna a couple times um, this this past summer, and uh, yeah, I, you know, some days it's a glass, some days it's a bottle. Um, oh boy. No judgment either way. I I uh, 
sometimes it's cocktails before wine. I, uh, that's one thing I did inve- invest in over lockdown is I, I ordered in an entire bar, um, set up and it, and it's like a whole suite of different, uh, spirits and liqueurs. And then, uh, I downloaded masterclass for those oh, that yeah, yeah. haven't downloaded. It's just an amazing, uh, online learning platform where you're learning from the world's best. And, uh, I do like business personal, I kind of alternate. So I've done, you know, the Starbucks and then I've done gardening and I'm trying to really expand. And, um, I took the culinary arts, the bartending one. And, and, uh, I used to bartend years ago, but it was all about how to, how to make money behind the bar. It was, yeah, I knew how to work a room. Ch- I didn't know how to make, and make money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I had no idea how to make, I knew how to make it old fashioned. So I've invested in that and it's been, it's been fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Kevin, you're such a beauty. I, uh, I deeply, truly appreciate it. You're number one, man. And, uh, I, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for everything. And, um, everyone's going to take a lot of value from this and, uh, I'm excited to see how the, how the podcast grows. Thanks for everyone that's listening. And Kevin, um, just keep killing it, man. You're, uh, you're one of the good guys. I want to see you keep winning. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks everybody watching and uh, best of luck on this, man. Any, anything I can do to support uh, you and anyone listening, send me a note on LinkedIn. I'm happy to, uh, to lend any, any way I can. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. We'll get it back on the court here soon uh, once we can get back. And... The Growth League podcast is brought to you by Hook and Ladder Digital. We are a digital marketing agency that focuses on building and nurturing engaged brand communities, as well as designing, developing, and optimizing lead generation and conversion funnels that leverage advertising, email, landing pages, and content. Our goal is to connect great products and services with the people that want and need them most at the time that makes most sense for them. We want to see business leaders and marketers win and experience next level growth by co-creating a strategy and working together to implement into market and realize the ROI that we're all looking for. So if you have any questions on your digital marketing program, you need support, or you'd just like to have us take a look, please check us out www.hldigital.ca. Thanks so much. 